Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. Like Kate Winslet, pushing Leonardo DiCaprio off the raft into the water, to join the Titanic at 12,000 feet below the surface of the ocean, so have the Steelmen further extricated the Ravens from their playoff race, fortuitously enhancing their own chances for a postseason play. In a contest that caused us to clutch our chests more than once, Pittsburgh continued its ascent of Mount Lombardi with a 23-16 statement over what had supposedly been the NFL's premier defense. It's November 5th, 2018, episode 63. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Uh, preamble, really quick. We're still having technical difficulties, so please excuse any glitches you experience in this podcast. We might start a Patreon page or something like that. If you guys want to buy us a new computer, uh, you will enjoy the podcast that much more. But for now, we're still going with Popsicle Sticks and Glue. So let's jump into it. We have a little news. Uh, we have to acknowledge uh, what has been uh, firing up the Twitter sphere. And uh, who's the guy from ESPN whose only job is to follow Le'Veon Bell? Schefter. Schefter. <laughs> Man, he I is the gift that keeps on giving. I think one, I don't know if it was Neil Cooling or whatever his name is. The Pittsburgh writer said something earlier today. He basically saying, I'm ashamed to admit this, but... No, there are no flights from Pittsburgh to Miami tonight. Yes, he could fly out from nearby cities. And yes, this is what my life has come to. So that's, uh, we're back on our favorite segment, ladies and gentlemen. Bell, Bell Watch. Watch. Bell Watch once again. Um, yeah, just get it out of the way earlier, uh, you know, in the show. I have, you know, nobody knows what this guy's going to do. I've thought that it would be in his best interest just to sit out the entire season uh, the Steelers obviously could reserve the right to franchise tag him again. If he sat out all the games, I believe they could franchise him at the same price. Um, but that might not even necessarily be true because he's already accrued five years with the same team. Either way, no matter what happens, they're not franchise tagging the guy again. James Connors here, and they're not going to want to deal with the headache. As far as him not playing, lowering his value to another team, that's not true. Somebody's going to pay him. The Browns or the Dolphins or the Colts or the Jets. Somebody's going to pay the guy no matter what. As far as the timing for Le'Veon coming back to the team, I mean, it's the Steelmen. We need drama. This has been the most drama-free couple of weeks, and we've won all the games. It's been nice. But like we said, it's the lifeblood of this team, some drama. So it feels a little weird that he's possibly coming back right now when the team's finally found an identity. But – Look on the bright side, having an insurance policy for the star starting running back, a.k.a. James Conner, is only a good thing. And, um, you know, the more weapons in the cupboard, the better. I think the Steelers will will uh, know what's good for him and keep feeding the rock to James Conner. Maybe give Lev a couple carries here or there while he gets in a football shape away what, from jet ski shape. 
what is the uh th- there's one deadline coming up i think it's five days w- what's the deadline for him to come back or not not play i don't know the day but it's like week 11 or something like that so he's got he has eight days um from the recording of this podcast so seven once it comes out to come in and sign his franchise tender to be able to play this year so obviously he tweets that cryptic tweet it, it does look like he's going to come back i don't know why else he would say that but um just one more thing to address i tweeted this out earlier but for all the people who i'm surprised that the number of people who say this on twitter not hugely credible sources but some people are saying this for all the people saying to put Levion at wide receiver three that let's just end that conversation right now i don't know how many how many times we got to tell you people he's an incredible pass catching running back he's not a wide receiver his four whatever speed isn't scaring any deep uh, any dbs with deep balls he doesn't run deep outs or comebacks or posts or anything like that he is the man at running back and catching passes out of the backfield maybe they will line him up a little bit um on the outside here or there but you're not just gonna like plug him in as the starting slot receiver so we'll see what happens when he gets there it's gonna take him a while to get out of jet ski shape let's dispense with this pavlum and get on to the victory so we had a quality victory over the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, after that first game, um, it, it does seem like the Steelers just need a little time to get the engine going. They do. It always makes you think, why do they have to drop the early season games, like the tie to the Browns? It always seems like it, it takes them a while to get going. Once again, they go undefeated in October. It's kind of like a yearly tradition almost. But you know what? Teams lose in the beginning of the year. The Patriots lost to Detroit. Uh, other people have lost games as well. You know, Chargers lost two tough ones early in the year, but it is what it is. All I know is that that's a super quality victory we had over the Ravens the other day. It's yet again another divisional slugfest. I forgot to put out a prediction towards this game uh, on our last podcast, but I was predicting it would probably be like 24-20 Steelers. That's just kind of the area where the score usually resides in these games, especially with Baltimore's number one ranked defense. I know they've been going through some issues recently, but they got players all over the place. Um, And the Steelers, there's just good trends that are continuing now. And the Steelers are starting to form an identity as a whole team and offensively and defensively individually with defense that is holding in the red zone and offense that's converting in the red zone and having a balanced attack with the rush in the pass. So, those things are encouraging. You're seeing it's not like the Steelers are getting a lucky play here or there. They're they're improving week by week as a team, and they're winning in the process. Obviously, it does huge favors for the standings. Yeah, you made the point that the, the Ravens were moving the ball a bit, but they they were just getting they were sputtering and ending up with field goals. So that's pretty much the biggest key to this game is that the Steelers forced the red uh, the the ravens to get field goals in the red zone and the steelers ended up converting which has become a new trend before the season started art rooney um cited red zone offense as one of the reasons for why they moved on from todd haley to the feet master randy feetner and i think we do have a big enough sample size at this point to say holy crap, he has really improved that. The Steelers got to be in top five as far as red zone percentages. I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure they're really high. And it continued again in a super difficult environment, which is playing away in Baltimore. And so that's really encouraging to see that's part of the team's DNA. I mean, it's not just it's not just luck. The play calling is different. 
where last year it seemed like Haley couldn't decide if he wanted to be pass first or run first in the red zone. He would just kind of line Ben up with five receivers and say, just find the open guy. Well, there's not a lot of space down there in the red zone. So you got to be more creative. You got to use misdirection like they did on the touchdown pass to James Conner, where they flooded everybody to the side and sneaked James Conner out. Um, you got to use weird little screen passes like they've been doing AB every week. So very uh, good job in the red zone. And obviously, what, it was like 10 to 15 on third down for the offense? Well, I, Brilliant I'm, job in situational football. Sure. Let me let me just confirm. 63% for uh, third down. I just uh, saw the ranking for the red zone offense, and Pittsburgh ranked second. To believe it or not, Cincinnati. Yeah. Cincinnati is 76, 77%. No we're at 75%. Listen to where we were last year. 53%. And Cincinnati was at 55%. So both teams have improved. Just an interesting tidbit. You wouldn't have predicted Cincinnati. Kansas City is behind us at 73%. But of course, they never have to get to the red zone to make their scores. So, Well, you know, those dirtbags in Cincinnati need to get first place in something. It's obviously not coming in the playoffs or the division or anything like that. But I digress. Yeah. Red zone and third down. Great job offensively and defensively, defensively, particularly uh, in the red zone. They did let up some third downs, but they did a good job holding. Um, well, third to, control or th go for it. Sorry for my interruption. Sorry. I mean, it, I, I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball. So Baltimore was six in third down efficiency with about 46%. We held them to four, four for 12 on third down efficiency in this game. So another, another indicator of the ascension of the defense. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, articulate. Well done. Quite. You said it all for me. So the situational football was the big difference in the game. And then the other thing was just the emergence and the continued improvement of this ball control offense. What did the Steelers have, like, 11 more minutes of, of time of possession? They opened the second half, the Steelers did. I believe, wasn't that the 15-play drive that took up eight minutes, half of the third quarter, and the Ravens still didn't get the ball? Ended it with the touchdown. I mean, it's just suffocating. And, and we talked about that a few years ago, the first few years with Todd Haley, when Steelers would always win the time of possession, and then they weren't able to capitalize in the red zone. They would kick a field goal. Then the crappy defense would go on the field, and the other team would score in three plays, and the time of possession amounted to nothing. Well, this is a little bit different because the Steelers are converting in the red zone, and the defense is a little bit more complimentary. So if there's one thing you take from this game – it's that a little over halfway through the season, the offensive line is the MVP of this team. Absolutely. Just to, to add a little flavor to what you were saying, that the Steelers had had the ball 36 minutes. If you, In the first half, we had it 16. So that means in the second half, we had the ball twice as long as the Ravens did. Yeah, it's just soul-sucking. And there's nothing better than crushing a, a Ravens fan or – team teammate or coach or just resident of the city of Baltimore. There's nothing better than crushing their souls. And that's what they did. It was great. So the O-line, unbelievable. I don't think they surrendered a sack the whole game because I'm not going to count Ben's uh, taking a sack on purpose uh, to wind the clock towards the end of the game there. Connor, I mean, I don't even really think we need to spend much time on James Connor anymore. The guy's a stud. He's a top, you know, definitely a top 10 running back in the NFL. He keeps setting new records every single week what is it what did he uh, some He's crazy thing in back. four games he had four games of 100 yards catching a touchdown and he sold popcorn 50 total yeah. yards and 
the, the record is this. He's the first running back in NFL history to have four games of uh, over 150 all-purpose yards with two touchdowns or one touchdown, I guess, in the game. And it's not even halfway through the season. And so this guy is breaking Steelers records. He's breaking NFL records. He gets a huge help, as Mike Tomlin said, from this offensive line who's opening up huge holes. But even when they don't open up holes, he finds yards. And then when they give him you know, a five-yard hole, he's taking 10 yards and he's making clutch plays and the dude just knows how to find the end zone. It's crazy. So Connor and the O-line have been killing it. Ben and Feetner have got this short passing game together. This is a more smooth version of what Todd Haley tried to put in place. It reminds me a little bit, it's a little Patriots-like and a little Saints-like with these death-from-efficient paper cuts. I mean, how many third downs did Ben convert to with little slants to Juju? Yeah, we're doing to them what they've been doing to us for three years. They have. And you know what? Cincinnati and Baltimore traditionally do one thing, which is they play two deep safeties pretty much the whole game. And they try to force Ben to throw underneath because Ben can't help it. He's got to throw bombs. If he doesn't throw a bomb, he needs to fake an injury. And and nobody wants that. I'm just kidding. A gigantic man fell on him. That looks like it hurt. By the way, I'm not proud of the way I acted. I don't want to say this here, but maybe me admitting my faults will help you guys feel better about yourself. But the way I reacted uh, when Ben went down is not becoming for an adult, but I do think it was appropriate. On game day, we're all children. We're all wide-eyed children on game day. I mean, especially against the Ravens. I mean, geez. But Ben and Fiener have put this short game together and it's looking really good so uh there were some negatives and i just you know uh, it depresses me to talk about chris boswell and this missed missed extra point it does seem like it's in his head he's fully capable we saw what he's done for the last three years he was amazing and now uh you cross Mm -hmm. your fingers every time he toes up yeah This is a nightmare, and I just don't see any way that this isn't going to be a problem. I mean, unless he can get a little string of games, which he might be afforded the opportunity soon with all the tough teams we're playing, he needs to have like a couple games where he either hits some long 50-yarders or a clutch game-winning kick. He needs to do something to to knock the saran wrap off because ever since his early season struggles, he hasn't even really been called upon to make field goals, and that's good on the offense, but – I think the only way he gets out of this is by making some big plays. But right now, it's like what I've been saying all season. Whenever I've seen a kicker get the yips like this, and there's been quite a few of them this year, the Chargers just fired their kicker, Caleb Sturgis. Um, I, I don't often see guys come back from it. So he would need to hit some some real confidence uh, making, build confidence building. They need to do some team building with Boz. That's what they need to do. Maybe he needs to meditate. Oh, I forgot. That's all they do. Maybe. Maybe you maybe should take yeah, up they, smoking. They meditate and they do arms. We also, uh, we're, we're, I mean, we have, we're, there's, the penalties are somewhat disconcerting, but I found it interesting. I looked up the statistics. The Steelers lead the NFL in penalties with 691. If you're looking at the offense, if you're looking at the defense, we have 475 yards of penalties, which ranks us uh, 17th. So as, as prominent as these these penalties appear to us during the game it's not as bad as it could be it's not 
they've been first place since the first week of the season. They have not relinquished first place, including the bye week, where apparently they must have got 10 penalties without us knowing because after the bye week, they were still in first place. On the so, offense, though. On the, on the I, offense. On the defense. What? You're saying the offense has more Yeah, they have penalties? 690 yards in offensive penalties. We have 475 on the defensive side of the ball. So Jeez. surprise totally blows me away. I don't know how we got to 690 on offense, but it's. I will tell you that the killer are these pass interferences. And I understand that the play calling is very inconsistent. Not the play calling, but the penalty calling is inconsistent. Edmonds. Super inconsistent. Edmonds, 33-yard penalty. Burnett, 16 yards. Sense of ball, 19 yards. Uh, one of those leading to a touchdown. That That is um, it's disconcerting. And I, I realize some of these things are are just blown calls. But it is what it is. But it's been a problem consistently for the Steelers. Yeah, those I thought were a little bit ticky-tacky, but they're also just a result of what we knew. The Steelers have big problems at inside linebacker and safety. And luckily, the inside backers have played well this year, haven't been tested necessarily by an elite unit. And the safeties have definitely not been tested by an elite unit since Patrick Mahomes uh you know, could have ended their careers with what he did to the Steelers. So they're unable to get to a spot. They really have no ball skills when the ball is in the air. Uh, we'll get more into that later. And those penalties, I don't even know if they're a lack of discipline, those pass interference, as much as a, a lack of skill. But uh, they did make some plays here and there. Penalties are a huge problem. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at it as a positive uh, because I want to get into this segment later, but it is an upside. You, It hasn't gotten – or it has an upside, I should say – the the concerning thing is the penalties haven't gotten better. I mean, there might have been one game where they didn't commit a bunch of penalties, but it's not like I've seen a progression towards getting rid of them. They've just stayed bad the whole time. But you would think if they could clean some of that up, they're going to get a lot more leeway. Well, so we'll see what it looks consistency like. Consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds, as you know. So we put this thing on. We put this next uh, this next point under negatives, but it's really a negative for Baltimore, and that is that Flacco was almost inept on half of the passes he threw. Yeah, so Flacco definitely missed some wide-open TDs. I know the national media is talking a lot about how Lamar Jackson was standing, jumping up uh, up and down after faking a reverse in the end zone, and or in the red zone, I should say, and uh, Flacco just didn't even look at him and basically threw it to a Steelers fan in the first row. Uh, obviously, there was a touchdown pass that he missed to Michael Crabtree that he threw a little bit short. There were a couple of third downs that he missed. Listen, you can give the Steelers credit for some of those because on a lot of those plays, uh, he was pressured. But I, I basically put this Baltimore failures thing on the negative side just because I wanted to get three. I, I, I'm not really dinging them for that much too. I'm not going to ding the Steelmen for that too much. You know, you, it's the old adage, you play who's in front of you. If you look at all the other great teams, they're playing teams who make a lot of mistakes as well. And this is still a work in progress. From what we saw in the first three games from the Steelers' defense to where they are now, this is big-time improvement. They weren't going to go from worst to first right away, and they did a great job in other elements. All right, let's look at some points on the defensive side. We are talking about the defense of the ball now. Uh the defense generally prevented some big chunk plays, but I will say they gave up five splash plays. That is pass plays of over over 15 yards. They gave a couple long runs to Crabtree, uh, but all in all, I mean, when you look at Alex Collins, um, looking at Crabtree, had an hold on, 
Sorry. Looking at game book you, and I'm reading too fast. No. <laughs> uh, please carry on. Well, it was it was Collins. I'm gonna tell All you right, right now. It was Alex Collins. Well, again with C. A couple, I thought they kept him bottled up. Hey, here's the thing. If you guys were listening to the podcast last year or you watched the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, you would realize that they uh, – oh, man, ESPN actually said the exact numbers. But basically we were giving up a 40-plus yard pass play, usually a touchdown, once per game for like 12 games in a row or something insane. Well, the Steelers have cut that down a little bit. And I think it's been four games in a row where no one's had that type of long pass on us. And that's especially crucial against Baltimore – Listen, their offense is pretty much based off of pass interference, and they did get three of those. But the first game was marred by some of those long passes to John Brown. Well, Steelers completely shut him down. You can't give the Ravens those free plays downfield. You got to make Joe Flacco have to put together long drives and convert third downs because he just can't do it. And if you give them the freebies, it's too easy. And guess what? They didn't give them the freebies. That's a big improvement for the Steelers. True. So 57 yards in total rushing. And 112 yards in passing. You can't ask for more That's than nothing. that. Right. Not at all. Um, so I guess we can get to this one to get to the grades, but I wanted to note the pressure that was on Flacco all, all, most of the game. There was a pressure all game. It was more effective in the first half. We had five guys coming 80% of the plays. A lot of it came from inside rather than having the silver bullet, uh, you know, jump street from from the side but uh i thought that was very effective in the first half it looks like baltimore made an adjustment at halftime and was able to fend that off generally in the second half one little note i'll put is that stefan to seems to finally be coming yeah. on he had a nice sack obviously he was on a little scramble from flacco so it wasn't like he just crushed his man but uh, towards the end of the game there on their desperation drive, Cam Hayward just absolutely bulldozed his guy back in the Flacco, uh, rushing him out of the pocket or flushing him out of the pocket, if you will. And then to it, chase him down. But to it, I think he has three games in a row with the sack. So great to see him come on. On the negative side of the defense, we only have had one turnover in the last four games. One more positive. Oh. Hey, we, we'd be I want to hold it. I want to hold on. I want to hold positive. on him. Are we talking about the same thing? Okay. All right. I want to, I want to highlight this in the grades. On. Yeah. I'd All like right. to go negative. I'd like to go yeah. half glass, negative half empty, center. which is the lack of turnovers that we're experiencing. Although I said, so the Steelers aren't turning the ball over themselves. We are not garnering them on defense. I don't know what that, uh, there was a giant up, like the gain on your microphone just right. dumped up a little bit. It seems like it went back to okay. normal. Got excited for one second. It got really loud. So sorry, you guys, if it, if it blew out your ears, but you know, like I said, Patreon page. Yeah, one turnover in four games. I keep saying this about the Steelers' defense. They only have so much upside. They've got some athletes, so they could be an exciting complementary defense. They've really played awesome the past four games, especially for who they have. But the defense, there, there is no shutting down people in the NFL. And if the Steelers want to win a Super Bowl this year, they're going to play some absolute offensive juggernauts. So what you need to be able to do is force – Field goals in the red zone. Okay, check. We got that. And then create some turnovers. We are not creating turnovers. We don't have many people who can really do it. Joe Hayden's the only guy who I can say confidently that he has some skills with the ball in the air. Everybody else is just nowhere even close. So I don't know if those are going to ever come, but hopefully the team speed that the Steelers have as a defense can start forcing more turnovers because one turnover in four games is not going to cut it. Right. And I, I think we had one of the negatives we've mentioned previously are the DBs 
watching, especially on the long ball. They don't seem to be able to play the ball in the air. We got called on some PIs, although one of those definitely was ticky tack. But it's something I think we need yeah. to install a hinge in Edmonds's neck because he really is just staring at the oh wide receiver. We'll get into that in the grades. Let's move on. One thing. Anyways, you want to move on to the offense? Yeah. So I think we've already mentioned the offensive line. We couldn't be more thrilled. And with Matt Byler in there, it's as if it's not even it's not even yeah. an issue. It's crazy because we were worried about the loss of Hubbard. Remember yeah. in the offseason, we said b- besides the glaring needs at linebacker, corner, and safety, the other ones we were looking at were the third receiver, which is still an issue the Steelers are trying to figure out. And we said the loss of Chris Hubbard was big because last year Hubbard had to play half the season. Obviously, our, our other guy, B.J. Finney, the swing guard, uh, he had to play a lot. And when those guys went in, the quality of play didn't drop off at all. And so we didn't take that for granted. But, man, Filer – looks like Hubbard number two. He looks like Kelvin Beecham number two. Mike Munchak gets MVP number two after the offensive line because you're right. I mean, they're not missing a beat with this guy. So we also talked about, I guess we already touched on time of possession, 36 minutes for the Steelers, 23 for Baltimore. Obviously something we complain about ourselves when the Steelers offense is off the the field. It feels like the the corrosion begins and uh, to the detriment of the offense, but it worked in the reverse this game. Yeah, it did. And and like we said before, just the feet master, who we'll get in a little more detail later in the grades, he's just doing a good job mixing it up. He knows when to run the, ride the hot hand in the run game, and he's doing so much more with the short passing game and misdirection and just taking advantage of the little short crossing routes that Juju always finds himself wide open on. And uh, we did cover a lot of this stuff. We're looking at some notes right here um, earlier, but, you know, James Conner, he's a star. And you know what? I liked seeing uh, uh, 38, Jalen Samuels, the rookie. I like seeing him in there for just a little bit, one series in the third quarter. You you have to give Conner a break here and there. I don't care what Tomlin thinks. Aditi Kinkabwala, I believe, asked him in the news conference on Monday if he's worried at all. Basically, I'm paraphrasing here. If he's worried that just giving – Connor the ball constantly like this could lead to some wear and tear down the down uh, down the road and he said not at all and I'm like hey Mike what's your sample size for here Le'Veon Bell has never made it through a full season until last year when he was actually healthy against the Jaguars but other than that he's I mean f- the first four years of his career he didn't make it through and that was evidenced most highly in his unbelievable playoff run where he broke the Steelers rushing record in the wild card then broke that record in the divisional and then couldn't play against the Patriots because he had a bum hamstring. You got to give him some time off. So I like seeing Jalen Samuels in there. So the other thing we noted was the lack of a deep passing game, but I looked at last year's statistics compared to this year, and it's a mixed bag. There, there are some statistics. One is called complete air yards. Last year, at this time during this, this season, last in 2017, Bell was at 6.2 air yards per attempt. He's at 4.6, clearly, clearly much lower. That's big. In intended air yards. And what this means is how many yards was he trying for when he threw this? Last year was at 10. This year he's at eight. Um, But the longest completed air distance was 51 yards this year and 42 last year. This is actually ball in the air, not yards after catch. So that's a little bit more, that's higher. But he is less aggressive. That's just one play though, right? It's one play. I I think the tail of the tape is the fact there's an aggressiveness uh, score. Last year, that means... You're throwing to a you're throwing to a receiver with a defender within a yard of the receiver. He did that 
almost 20% of the time last year, we're down to 16%. That doesn't sound, seem like a lot, but I think you have to believe your eyes and say we are less yeah. aggressive this year. His quarterback rating is a little higher. We know that that's, you know, that's sort of hard to interpret the quarterback rating that has too many variables in it. His completion rate is up 64, 65% versus 61 last year. So it is true, not going downfield as much, even, even though we did note there were some struggles at the beginning of the last season, and then it got uncorked in the second half, which is what we're going to hopefully see coming up. Well, this was the whole story last year. If you guys remember, it was why can Martavis Bryant not get on track? Why is Ben missing so bad down the field? Well, he's he's not even really attempting as many of the bombs. He's he's he would have hit a couple more intermediate passes if they hadn't um, if Juju hadn't dropped one and, and they took away Juju's in the middle of the game. But he's not throwing those go balls like he's used to throwing, uh, especially to AB. And the one that they had last week against the Browns, I, I look more as not really a broken play, but more or less that like a busted coverage where they were just letting AB wide open as opposed to if you remember his game last year versus the Ravens when he hit AB on you know three go routes against the Packers he was hitting go routes it's not happening he's not really trying them right now uh I'm not gonna say it's alarming but it is definitely something that he's gonna need to add to the arsenal and the Steelers are gonna need to figure out do we need you know, Washington to emerge as a deep threat. Is this a schematic thing? I sort of think that Ben still shows easily the physical ability to do it. There looks to be no problems with his arm whatsoever. So I think it's same thing as usual with Ben. He's a rhythm shooter. He needs to knock the Saran wrap off. He needs to hit a couple of them in order for it to get going when we're going to be playing these juggernauts like the Saints and the Patriots down later in the season. I think the other negative, and it's a faux negative, if we don't score 42 points, everybody's disappointed. We certainly, 23 points uh, seems below what we would have expected, but this is an AFC North game. We won the game. You saw it. Baltimore plays tough. It was number one defense. Yeah, you got to give them credit for that. I, I put that on there just to keep an eye on because, you know, Cam Newton and the Panthers, they had some help, but they scored like 36 against Baltimore last week. Uh, we're going to, you can't really compare apples to apples like that. I was happy with the 23 point, uh, the 23 victory there. Um, I just, I thought that the Steelers did some uh, incredible things in offense, especially when it comes to controlling the clock. And they're doing some things that I don't know many other teams can do. Maybe the Chargers are looking like that. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs can do whatever they want, but Steelers have an interesting look about them right now. And hopefully they keep scoring more points because if you've seen any of the marquee games this year, when it's Chiefs versus Patriots or the other night when you had Rams versus Saints, all those are going 42 to 45. You're going to need to be able to get to that level. But then again, not everyone has Baltimore's defense. Before we want to move on to the next segment, I wanted to uh, recognize and give a shout out to Bud and Gale. Two new fans who were listening to the podcast, and uh, I, I got a notification when uh, we got some technical glitches that he highlighted for us, which I appreciate because, as I said, we are patching this together with chewing gum and bailing wire. As soon as I can get this, the my iMac to the Genius Bar, we'll get this all wrapped up. But Bud and Gail, big shout out. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this show. Hey, um, speaking, of, big shout speaking out. of chewing gum and bailing wire, I have been, you know, Nick and I watch the game independently, obviously, and, and we're on Skype watching the game together generally. But now with this computer, I, I have an iPad, a seven-year-old iPad. Imagine the power of a seven-year-old iPad that's full of whatever I've downloaded through the years. It's coughing its way. 
I, uh -oh. I did get to, I keep track of the stats on ESPN, but I was trying to make some bets on my bookie. And uh, I missed it because, you know, the, the stupid iPad w wasn't keeping up and it crashed. But they do let you do in-game prop bets. And I, I went in yes, they and do. every time I placed a bet, the, the, the latency in the iPad would move us past the time when I was allowed to place it. So I was frustrated. So I did not get to bet this last week, but I will say we are up 30% this year so far. Next, and we are definitely betting on the Steelers to win by the spread this week. I haven't seen what the spread is at this point. I'm sure you all know it, but we're also going to do that. Who scores in the, uh, who's leading at, at the half. So once again, we were successful crowdsourcing that question. Please send us, and we'll tell you at the end how to get a hold of us. We'd love to know what you think. Who's going to be ahead at halftime? Well, that's a good one because apparently I had I did not realize this at all. But what they said uh, during this game is the Steelers are the only team to not be losing at halftime all this right. entire season. Were they down this game against Baltimore? Can't we remember. will check while you're giving us a little highlight of my bookie. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it was joyous. I I laughed. I said, <laughs> "What an amazing stat!" And then I laughed again when somebody asked me how I'm betting on the games for the upcoming week. Because, dude, we told you we spend hours, days studying the Steelers. But I mean, even with all that study, we don't even know if the team's gonna win, let alone know anything about the point spread. But here's something that we are confident in, ladies and gentlemen. It's my bookie. My bookie offers betters in all major markets and entertaining lineup of gaming options, dude. They have unique prop bets that you won't find anywhere else, which is a huge plus for you fantasy fanatics if you can get your first-generation iPad working, that is. Rather than living day-to-day, uh, -day, having to rely on a whole team to perform in order to win, you can just choose one. That's one player. Juju, maybe. Sure. I don't know. A, B, to perform or underperform. You can bet on Cam to underperform once he comes into the city of champions and soils himself when he sees the glory. So you fantasy sports lovers will have an edge when betting on the game within the game. Take advantage of in-game live betting on over-unders or fantasy points scored. They offer a plethora of major bonuses, including welcome offers, reloads, and cashbacks. You'll find sports book promotions and casino rewards and a huge variety of different value-added programs that should cater to most betters preferences it's like a his and hers you've seen those mattress commercials they don't they don't pay us to advertise for them maybe they will if they're listening to this because clearly my book is on the same page they give you preference whatever your preference is they got it for you because my bookie has a great mobile site that is easy to use with a sleek design that offers for easy navigation there is a company this is a company whose customer service you can actually access with a phone call, a callback request, or an online chat. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. You should know this by now. We've told you. You can take advantage of generous bonus options. No Scrooge situation here, ladies and gentlemen. It's generous. If you make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100 dollars okay you can actually if you're listening on apple podcasts you can slow my speech down to like 50 or 25 percent if numbers confuse you like they sometimes do for me in those situations and you can figure out what i just said or i can 
if I say it slowly right now, you could slow and it'll be extra slow. An additional 20, I'm sorry, I won't make you sit through that. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code OUTPOST25. Outpost 25. Outpost 25 to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag online today and don't forget to use the promo code OUTPOST25 for creating your account. Outpost 25 to claim up to $1,000 and free play. You play, you win, you get paid. You exhaust me. I exhaust Let's get myself. into the grades. Starting with the all-powerful Ben Roethlisberger. The gunslinger. Uh, let's just go over a couple of his misses real quick because he did have, you know, the weekly misses. He did have the weekly, oh, my God, why are you throwing that pass when he threw across his body to try and hit Jesse James in the red zone? Should have been a pick. They dropped it. Maybe, maybe the outlaw did a good job of um, keeping the ball out of the guy's hands. But he's having a problem right now with the screen game. For a guy who's 6'5", 340 pounds of pure muscle, he has a lot of problems throwing those little dump-off screens, uh, particularly to James Conner, to the running back. He gets them batted constantly, or he throws them too high. And James Conner, you could say he should have caught that one at the end of the second half, but it got tipped up. That was almost an interception in our own territory. Such a weird issue to have. Again, just seems mental to me because there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to hit those. So having some trouble with that. Um, but you know what? He's moving really well in the pocket, maybe a little bit too much. Scared me to death with that run where he got hurt, got the wind knocked out him later in the game. But he made two incredible plays, vintage Ben Roethlisberger plays when he scrambled around and hit Connor. He hit Juju on one as well. And we praised him earlier for actually taking what the defense was giving him. He's been doing a much better job of that. Like we said, he needs to get that deep game going. But I do like uh, seeing him paper cut some defenses to death. So give him some credit, give Feetner some credit. And honestly, his stat line would have looked a lot nicer if Juju didn't have that horrific drop. Not a nice drive there. I don't remember if it was at the end of the second quarter or whenever it was, but big time drop from Juju. Then, then another 30 yard pass to Juju that got called back from holding. So he would have had a lot more yards and a couple really big plays that got taken away from him. And the last thing you got to say, no turnovers. Baltimore on the road has been a very difficult place for Ben. Still hasn't thrown for 300 yards there, but he didn't make any turnovers, protected the ball, converted a bunch of third downs. We got a, didn't dominate. Two touchdown passes were mostly a result of Connor and, and AB, but he did a good job. We're giving him a grade of B plus. So let's move on to the man at running back, James Connor. We don't we don't need to spend much time on this. Uh, how what what else do you want? I mean, he's pass blocking great. He's running the ball great. He's breaking tackles. He's scoring a touchdown every game. He's catching the ball well. He's the man, one of the best backs in the league right now. Some people aren't giving him credit. They think it's just the Steelers' offensive line, but this guy's making the most out of it. James gets a grade of eight. So we had a little bit of uh, disappointment at wide receiver. You mentioned one that um, Juju, again, he's, he's having a little bit of the dropsies this season. Interestingly, James Washington has been, has been yeah. inserted into the lineup. He also had his own issues. but Love that. You know, I could give him a pass a little sooner than I can give it to Juju, but that was a little problem at wide receiver. Yeah, I liked Washington's game. I, I'm still on record as saying it's just a waste of time to play Justin Hunter last week. Just keep playing Washington. I mean, you even saw his growth throughout the course of the game. Ben might have missed that first out route to Washington, but I also think that he didn't get his head around very quickly. 
uh, not a great accurate throw, but he needs to know how to catch those. Well, they hit him on the same pattern later in the game, and he held it like Dan Kreider, two arms around the ball, head down, and charged forward for eight yards. So one thing with Washington, though, there was also a deep pass on like a third down where Ben threw a back shoulder, and I guess he was complaining about a holding penalty on the defensive back, but he just – it looked like that could have been a big gain. He had a lot of room towards the sideline. He's just got to get some chemistry with Ben going. Juju, he's been bobbling it even when he's caught it a little bit this year. So that drop was really bad, man. He had a lot of open space to run towards the red zone, killed a drive. Don't love that. AB did a good job. Obviously, we're not really – Ben's not doing a good enough job of getting him involved downfield, but we're going to give them a grade of B. And uh, moving on to the tight ends, you've already mentioned them. Not too much to say there. Uh, pretty James Jesse James almost did a good job of ruining the easiest catch of his career on that 55 yarder. We bobbled it in the sun. Vance had a drop. Uh, they contributed in the run game for sure, but pretty quiet from a receiving angle. We're giving them a grade of B. Offensive line, I think we've already highlighted this. They were simply amazing. Last week, I think uh, Villanueva yeah. gave up a sack. But uh, that was it, and we gave them an A plus back then. We saw, mm-hmm. yeah, I think to, um, oh yeah, Garrett, right. Garrett, but this this Garrett. week, great. I think Ben did a great job. He did sort of improvise on a couple a couple of times, which actually puts more pressure on the offensive line. But they were they were fantastic. Yeah, they're amazing. I mean, they're a top three group in the NFL. They're carrying this team right now. I mean, and can't say enough about Filer. They get a great. So let's move on a to a the Beatmeister. I have so many convulsions about him giving up on third and long. And and I write it in caps because that's the way I feel uh, on Twitter during the game, every third and long in this season, I I'm, I'm seriously wondering if I'm not being hyperbolic here, if it's every third down, he hands it off or throws a screen. That's a little frustrating. You'd like to see them be a little more aggressive. Then again, you want to make the Ravens drive the whole length of the field. Don't give them anything free with a turnover. So I get that. Um, that's my only complaint about him right now because he's crushing it. And we mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but we're far enough in the season now to see the work he's doing with the Steelers red zone offense and the third down, just much more creative play calling. He mixes it up on third down and one. He runs it when he should run it. They went for a fourth down. They got that. Um, just the death by efficient paper cuts that they're using. This offense is forming an identity. He had a much better start to the game, finding Ben some easy completions on the first drive to get the ball rolling. He's doing a great job. Very excited about to see the improvements he's going to continue to make. Uh, I thought this was one of his best games, if not his best game. And for that, we got to give him an A+. Let's move on to the other side of the ball and looking at the defensive line. And again, my lament every show, it's hard to uh, highlight one one position group over the other. It's the defensive line. There were 61 yards rushing this game. There were a couple of breakout plays, but uh, for the most part, I mean, 61 yards rushing, my goodness. And then the quarterback pressure was there all game, although I will I will say that I think Baltimore handled much better in the second half, and we had the sack. Yep. They did a good job. I don't have much to add. I mean, 61 yards rushing, that's nothing. Alex Collins torched us for 200 last year. That's far from what we experienced this time granted they did have two starters out on the line and, and another starter that was hurt yeah you've got to do yeah i mean you, you know, do what you they played ex- who was in front of what them. You're expected if they had not done well against uh second and third tier offensive linemen that would have not have boded well for this grade but 
we're giving the defensive line an A. And the same with the edge rushers. I think, again, they were in the backfield. The Steelers rushed five guys 80% of the game, and not all of those were blitzes from quarterbacks. So the cornerbacks, they had a lot of inside linebacker blitzing. The edge, I thought Bud had a Bud had an okay game again. Nothing noticeable on uh, outside contain. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to see the Steelers quarterback on any blitzes. I just don't know how effective that would be. Although you don't know. I mean, Ben's strong. It's my Pittsburgh. It's my accent. Corner. Back. I'm with you. Yeah, they were. They're okay. I thought. I thought T.J. Watt was really quiet, and he got swallowed up a few times. But Bud. For the second week in a row, won a one-on-one pass rush. It was beautiful. Ed Rushers get an A. And I think um, – pardon? Seems a little high. Yeah, it seems a little high, but we'll give it to him. I mean, my I mean, goodness, and what do you want? I mean, I just – I'm grouping all these guys together. I think the inside linebackers at Bostic did a great job. Um, he was he was part of that five-man rush. <laughs> You're laughing? Did I mispronounce Bostic? Yeah, no, I mean, what what do I want? No, you did. He just said, "What do you want?" I said, "Well, yeah, Man, beggars can't be." You're not begging. I think the the Steeler defense did what it needed to do. I mean, it's a subpar offense at this point, but they did what they had to do. So, inside linebackers get an A. I'm giving A's all around. I'm I'm being very generous this time. I was disappointed. So, moving on to the defensive backs, uh, Sean Davis. Man, I think this guy has found his role. Very surprised that he's doing this well, but um, he's uh, he made a bunch of tackles. I mean, you know, a lot of them were were making up for his teammates letting up big plays. But like we said before, the Steelers have had a huge problem for a year now on letting up gigantic plays, and that has not been happening while he's playing free safety, waiting back there. He's got to get a lot a, of a tackles. So we are giving the DBs a B. Sorry. Um, Hold on one sec before you go in there. Really? I'm not giving them a B. Definitely not. Because Morgan Burnett and Terrell Edmonds are horrible. I mean, those guys, Morgan Burnett. Are you giving, that might be, are you giving Flacco a grade? Because people are coming to me. A poor passing game? Listen, every time, uh, okay, they weren't horrible, but they're not good. I mean, because. There were a number of times in the in the past interferences, they were a little ticky tacky, but they weren't egregious. There's an issue that Terrell Edmonds has that he's had since college that we knew he had, and he has not improved at all, which is the guy doesn't know how to play the ball in the air. I mean, it dates back to us giving him a pass in the preseason for getting scored on twice in the red zone by the Packers, right? But even on those plays, he didn't even know when the ball was coming. He jumps, he guesses, he's got a lot of pass interference penalties, no ability to just jump up and make a pick, even when Flacco underthrows it. Bostic, the same thing. These guys do not have any ball skills whatsoever. Now, they, I mean, that's an issue we knew we had. Edmonds is playing a lot earlier than the Steelers wanted him to. And I am a fan of letting guys take their lumps. But Mike Tomlin did mention on the Monday press conference, he basically said that we're trying to get Morgan Burnett to start for Edmonds, but we're just waiting to get him back up to speed after he's been injured. So I had a problem with a couple of those plays because uh, it's just just real lack in there. But you're right about Sean Davis. You got to give Hayden credit. 
for doing work on John Brown. And Mike Hilton was the best player on defense. So I can't knock them too much. I would give them somewhere in the B range, though. But you, you, you get final word on the You make a compelling case. So I'm going to move on. We'll give them a B, and we'll move on to the defensive coordinator. Baltimore, one for four in the red zone, 33% on third down. Uh not they're a little short of anemic, but we held them for the most part to field goals and one touchdown. One of the nicest plays in the game, one of the most crucial plays was third and one from our like eight or 10 or something like that. And Lamar Jackson ran out to the right and had no one between him in the end zone, except for Mike Hilton. And Mike Hilton comes in like a, wouldn't you know it? Like a <laughs> silver bullet and tackles him, gorgeous tackle around the legs, forces them into a field goal just because of the great play of one player. That was awesome. Don't often see that from the Steelers' defense. Uh, that, that was gorgeous. So, yeah, like that. I know we're talking about the D.C. here, but you did mention the red zone, and that was one of the reasons why we stopped him. He also had a pass breakup in the end zone on a guy who's 6'5". Hilton's becoming the man. So, um, defensive coordinator, A., and let's move on to special teams, and I don't lump them all together. Let's highlight a couple of things. Ben Roethlisberger, horrible punting. Sorry. One punt for 20 <laughs> Wait, hold on. Was, that was I'm actually kidding. a good punt. Relax. That was a good Relax. punt. I would have landed in the 10 if Weddle wasn't so smart. Ben's a great punter. When was the last time he pooch kicked like that? It's got to be five years. Really? I, I thought he did it last year because the Steelers actually put out a, sta- uh, a, a a Twitter. They put out a tweet saying like, "Who saw this one coming?" And I was and I replied like, "Any of us who have watched Ben play over the years, we all knew exactly what was happening when he started stepping back farther." I think he has six punts in his career, but uh, I also saw when he stepped back, his good friend Eric Weddle, who he goes fishing with in the off seasons and does some family dinners. Apparently, Weddle, good guy. Cut his beard recently, by the way. So he looks better, but he's playing worse. I'm just kidding. He was everywhere. He played well. Yeah, Weddle, Weddle read that. That was a uh, – I don't know about that call, guys. Either just – That was appropriate. It was, it was very – yeah. So uh, Jordan Berry, uh, three punts, 41 yards net. I think he did an adequate job. Brian Switzer, three punt returns for 17 yards. I mean, he really was covered. I don't, I don't uh, take anything away from here. His kickoff return was 31 yards. So I think he's doing a fantastic job. Right. Yeah, that was very nice. He's doing a great job. He's not a guy with game-breaking speed. I, I could, of course, see him scoring a touchdown at some point eventually, but I'd rather have the guy like Switzer who's going to get you 10 to 15 yards on like every single return. You're always going to have a couple during a game where he gets you 15 and just helps you get better field position on a consistent basis. I'd rather have that than the guy who breaks two a year and then – you know, runs backwards and loses yards the rest of the time. So, all right, uh, final. Yeah, let's let's not revisit right. that. No more to say there. Let's hope let's we hope have a game this week. Himself. We have to we have to turn around this boat really quickly because we are playing the Panthers, who are six and two this Thursday at eight twenty. The last time we played them was two thousand fourteen, where we destroyed them thirty seven to nineteen. Yeah, huge game. I think there's obviously the four juggernauts in the NFL are kind of head and shoulders above everyone right now. Rams, Saints, Patriots, and Chiefs. Then there's this subgroup that I think has finally emerged of the Chargers, the Panthers, and the Steelmen. And there's probably one more that I'm forgetting but uh, off the top of my head. But those three, 
interesting times for this team. What a huge battle. Uh, the good news is it's in Pittsburgh. So the Panthers just played the Buccaneers. They got to come to Pittsburgh. Um, I wanted to say one thing real quick or like a tiny little segment here before we sign off on what what this game means for the Steelers going forward. And this was such a crucial win. We've outlined this the whole season. Steelers played like all their divisional games except for one already. Um, so, so winning those games, huge deal. Putting Baltimore into a losing record. I mean, Baltimore is probably going to be out of the playoff race now. They could only lose like one, maybe two more games the rest of the year. It's great. Dispatch those bastards. Get them out of here. But the Steelers are going into an insanely difficult part of their schedule now. They play all the best teams in the NFL this year, except for the Rams. I mean, you got to play the Saints. You got to play the Patriots. I don't think the Jaguars will be easy. You got to play the Chargers and the Panthers coming up here right away. Huge games coming up. And the Steelers still have upside. And they have been improving, but also winning at the same time. I think if Ben gets this deep game uncorked, if someone else emerges on offense, then that off this offense, sky is the limit. If you get some of these penalties down, again, sky is the limit. If you can find a way to perhaps get a turnover here and there, that's great. So Feetner obviously evolving the offense. It's encouraging to see that the Steelers are playing well and there's still room for them to improve. And speaking I, I of think it, that they can do it. If they go five and two or five and three or whatever. Good. Well, speaking of, season, of improving, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love your feedback. We'd love you to interact with us. Nick does a ton of tweeting. It's it's Ben Franklin like insight that you can incite insight that you can avail yourselves of. So hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the blog, or as we call it, the website at SteelersOutpost.com as soon as I get it working again. And shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost.gmail. Wow, it's been too long. At SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Hey, Until next week, and we are going to uh, cover the game on Thursday, but I'm, we're going to probably try and get out a quick show just to do a quick recap, but we will be out again next week. Thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.